0: Good afternoon and welcome listeners to the Success Design. I'm your host, Beth Schenkel-Anderson. Thank you so much for tuning in to my show today, as it promises to be very, very special. I have my first special guest with me today. Her name is Latanya White, and she is well-versed in the area of entrepreneurship. We as listeners are very lucky because we get to get some great advice on building our own businesses and our own brands. But before, I, before we get started today, I'd like to thank Janet Powers and Diva Toolbox for their promotion of my show. You can view their shows and blogs on divatoolbox.com. And I'd also like to thank blogtalkradio.com for providing the medium that makes this show possible. Uh, again, for new listeners, my website is bethandersonproductions.com, and you can also find my blog, on the website, or you can go directly to my blog at blog.bethandersonproductions.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and Facebook, and all that information is on my radio show's website on Blog Talk Radio. Now let's get to the show. If you are a returning listener, you know that I like to begin my show with a motivational minute, which consists of one of my favorite quotes. Today's quote is by Abraham Lincoln, and it's about happiness. President Lincoln says, it has been my observation that people are just about as happy as they make up their minds to be. I absolutely love that because it puts the responsibility on us to be happy and not on external forces. It it, it tells us that we must make up our minds to be happy in order in order to be happy and not rely on things that could possibly make us unhappy without our permission. So with that being said... And with happiness being the thought for the day, let's move to the heart of the, today's show, which is my interview with entrepreneur Tanya White, Tanya White. Hi, Tanya.
1: Hey, Beth. How are you?
0: Hi, I'm good. Um, let me tell my listeners a little bit more about you. Um, you. You hold an MBA, and you're a fast-rising entrepreneur here in Tallahassee. And in 2009, along with me, you were named one of Tallahassee's 25 women 25 Women You Need to Know, and that was named by the Tallahassee Democrat, which is the local magazine here. Um, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you so
1: much for even thinking enough of me to extend the offer.
0: Oh, well, you're absolutely welcome. I think that um, our listeners can get a lot of uh, really great information from you. I know that I've been on the air for about six weeks now, and I feel like, like I said, I have, I'm about drained of all the things that I can tell the listeners. I wanted to get a fresh voice and a, you know, some fresh some fresh blood in here to really mix things up and give uh, some different perspectives. So if you want to start today by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, that would be absolutely perfect. All
1: righty. Well, I... Um I grew up in Miami. I've been in Tallahassee since I moved here to attend college at Florida A&M University. I graduated from FAMU, as we lovingly call it, in 2003 with my Master's in Business Administration. Uh, when I finished um, from SBI, I actually started in pharmaceutical sales. I worked in pharmaceutical sales for three years where I really was able to, to hone my skills in relationship building and everything like that. And, you know, after three years, I just didn't feel like I was being valued enough for what I brought to the table. And because I didn't have any obligations, you know, no mortgage, no kids, no nothing, I got the strange idea in my head to start my own business and it just happened to be bartending (laughs) um 71 proof is the name of my business we provide bartending services for all sorts of social functions you've seen us at um events for football like for tailgate parties for wedding receptions corporate events things like that um Another service aspect that 71 Proof provides is bartender training classes. So for my 18 contract staff members, I've trained about 90% of them personally through the bartender training classes. And then the last part is custom cocktail development. And we do a lot of that for brides who want a signature drink for their wedding receptions. But I have to tell you, the best part of that is the taste testing. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Um, just so our <laughs> listeners will know, I uh, I held a uh, party last year for to raise money for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And you came by and made a signature drink for that event. <laughs> and the colors for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society are a lime green and yellow. And you made a special cocktail. Do you remember what was in that?
1: I do. The LLS cocktail was made with Midori and pineapple juice. Midori is a liqueur. It's like a melon flavor liqueur, but it had the perfect color. And then with the pineapple juice, just so that it wasn't a little too tart for you, we added that for sweetness. So I'm glad you liked it.
0: It was absolutely perfect. And I told not only my guests about it, but also a lot of people who are involved in LLS, I told them about the drink. And <laughs> what I got from, from your um, coming to my party and, and making the drink and stuff, is so it's a very creative thing to do, is that maybe what got you into mixology and bartending was that aside you know, from the sales that you've done before. Was something more creative?
1: I think I think in an, in a way it was. I know that I really got started because one of my sorority sisters had asked me if I would bartend her birthday party, and this was before I had any idea that I enjoy bartending but I went and I had so much fun that I looked into you know getting a little bit of structured and formal education and training and I started bartending school within two weeks and then I started my business uh, probably about five or six months after that but I think the the main draw to me is it's really just an extension of sales. It's about connecting and it's about relationships. Um, I found that in the three years that we've been in business, that most of our clients are corporate clients. Mm-hmm. We don't. I, I found that we aren't. We don't really have a niche in the wedding industry, but that's okay because you know we really only want to see you one time at a wedding reception. We don't want <laughs> you to. <laughs> so we don't get as much repeat business from our our brides who are our clients but then that really falls in line with me being able to have those significant relationships with my clients and being able to track their progress. You know, what's going on now and what are we celebrating here and three months from now, you know, what what's new? So it's really been about being able to connect with people and that was that's what sales is about, you know, those relationships and those genuine connections.
0: Sure. Sure. So you found that you you do something different each time you bartend as opposed to just doing a wedding.
1: Yep.
0: Each, each weekend. Wow. Well, that that sounds way more fun than uh uh than doing <laughs> the same thing over and over again. I can attest to that. Because when I was when I was practicing lawful time, I was doing the same thing over and over again and uh I was searching for something to uh to be a little bit to do, to do be a little bit different, and I've done you know, some event planning, but a lot of my a lot of my productions revolve around doing something different, whether it's a fashion show or a pageant or something. It's all different, so uh, okay. I think we're the same in that way. Yes,
1: completely understand that.
0: <laughs> so, what are your long and short term goals? But what what how, how are your short short term goals in line with your long term goals?
1: Well, my long term goals. Um, and I'll tell you, give you a little bit of background. I have a sister that's 19 years old. She's a sophomore at FAMU. And our mom, has. she's like a workaholic. You know, she's a blue-collar worker and things like that. And, you know, we were both raised by our mom, um, single-parent household and everything like that. So, And I think because there's such a big age difference between my sister and I, there are 12 years between us, She didn't really, we didn't really grow up together. So all she's really had as a role model per se se, is our mom, which she's a great role model, but by the same token, it's just a one-dimensional thing. Like my Mm -hmm. sister only thinks, you know, the best way to be successful is to go and work somewhere or for somebody, be a a doctor, a lawyer, um, a teacher, or, or something like that where you don't really have ownership of your own success and in, in progress. And I've tried to kind of internalize that and help give her a broader view of the world and what success really means. So that's been like my, my motivating factor, but my and that's my long-term goal, to help make sure that she understands that she has just as much control over where she ends up in 10 or 15 years as anyone else does. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's my long-term goal is to really kind of create a legacy um, of entrepreneurship and and self-sustaining ideas and thoughts and things like that. But how I plan to manifest that is with the – I want to open a – hospitality conglomerate, you know, for lack of a better term. It's actually (laughs) a project that I've been working on for about three years, and it's called Concept Creative Hospitality Group, and it's a portfolio of five different businesses that will specialize in with laser-like precision on specific aspects of hospitality. Um, There's a cocktail lounge. You know, we'll get to focus and play around with our cocktail menu. There's a meeting space, just really being able to meet the need of – you know, meeting professionals and association professionals. There's a business incubator to provide the resources like office space that small startup businesses need. And then, of course, there's 71 Proof for, you know, the specific events and and things like that. And with that project, each of those businesses, well, collectively, those businesses will generate eight different streams of revenue. So mm-hmm. that's how I hope to manifest my long-term goals. And my short-term goals are really just to make sure that I stay connected with the people in our community. Um, I
0: well, think... you do a good job of that. Oh. <laughs> you an excellent job of that.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Beth. I think the reason that I was you know, chosen to be among the likes of you and the 25 women to know last year was just because of the the cause that I've championed, and that's making sure that young professionals in the Tallahassee area are engaged. Um, We are so likely to leave Tallahassee because we aren't engaged. We don't know what there is to do beyond your standard 8-to-5 or 9-to-5 working hours, and we don't really connect with each other, and that's really the cause that I champion by, you know, serving on the board for the network of young professionals or being on the advisory council for Access Tallahassee. So those are my short-term goals, just to make sure that for the investment that we've made in young professionals that attend Florida A&M or Florida State, that we could get a return on that investment by having them stay here in Tallahassee
0: definitely there there is a lot to offer here um either through the universities here or just through the community and you know just getting out there and learning about it it it's it's very important and i think um the organizations that you're involved with whether it's the network of young professionals which is geared toward the younger people or just the chamber of commerce in, in general which i know you're a, an ambassador to um to just just to plug uh, to plug that but to say that you know that you also know a, a wide a wide range of people here in here in town and I, I can uh, I guess empathize i I come from a small town I don't even know if I've told you that but I, call, I come from a small town in Tennessee and there it's very much you, you know you get out of high school maybe have some college and you work for someone mm-hmm. and there's there's this mentality that you work for someone right and I know when I got out of law school the first thing that a lot of people that I know of from my small town was like, you know, who are you going to work for? Exactly. <laughs> Not really realizing that with a law degree, you don't really, you know, even with a law degree, you don't have to work for someone. And right. it's like, so I, uh, I, and I've tried to, you know, serve as an example because, you know, these days you, we don't have to follow the paths of our parents. Mm-hmm. And, uh, exactly. and I, I, I can totally, uh, totally get that. So in your experience, what makes successful entrepreneur? Is it the attitude? Is it uh, money? Is it having the right parents? What what do you think it is?
1: I really think entrepreneurs are, you know, the whole argument, nature versus nurture. You know, are you born with it? And I think to an extent we are born with it, but we have to be, you know, exposed to the opportunities and resources that will cultivate that sense of entrepreneurship and that sense of personal accountability and ownership. And I know for me, you know, in light of being considered successful, I I don't think I'm there yet. I think I still have a ways to go. But for me, it really has been about connecting with people. It really has been about, you know, understanding that we're all different but we all bring something to the table and I can't wait to to share with you what I have and I can't wait to learn from you you know what you bring to the table um it's about being involved I know that um, I made a presentation to an entrepreneurship class uh last week at Florida A&M and the professor asked me to talk about my marketing strategy Mm -hmm. And I have very loose, informal marketing strategy. And what I did was I brought in the four name tags that I have, one for Leadership Tallahassee, one for the Network of Young Professionals, one for the Chamber of Commerce, and one for 71 Proof. Mm -hmm. And what I tried to demonstrate or tried to discuss with the students is each of those name tags represents an opportunity for me to connect or to expose my business to a completely different constituent um it's been about you know bringing those constituents together oftentimes you know the network of young professionals and getting them involved with the chamber of commerce or bringing access tallahassee and and working an event or 71 proof working an event for access tallahassee and it's really been about having a leadership position in those different organizations saying this is the job that needs to be done. I don't always know what I'm doing, <laughs> but I am definitely willing to learn if you'll be willing to teach me. So I think um, entrepreneurship, success in entrepreneurship really boils down to being malleable, you know, being being like a sponge and being open to so many different things and having enough information to be really, really dangerous you know
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. definitely so would you say that you kind of equate entrepreneurship to leadership
1: I would I would um, and you know it's not they aren't mutually exclusive at all Um, there are different gradients as well of leadership and you'll have to wear different hats of leadership depending on where you are in the scheme of entrepreneurship for me, because I'm, I'm really like a one-woman show right now, I'm surrounded with so much support from, you know, you, from Club 25, from Leadership Tallahassee, from my friends on Facebook and Twitter and, and everything like that, um, but when it's all said and done, I have to put my best foot forward and put the smile on and shake hands, and you have to be comfortable in who you are and what you present in order to do that, and it's it takes a lot, and leadership is a commitment, and I've mm-hmm. learned, if I hadn't learned anything else, when you say you're going to do something, you do it. You have yeah. to do it because, you know, your credibility and your potential for future opportunities is at stake when you aren't committed to what you said you're going to do.
0: Definitely, definitely. I know – I. I know from frustration and, and other you know, positions that I've held, uh, a lot of times people, um, well, will, <laughs> their eyes are bigger than their stomachs. As mm-hmm. My mom used to <laughs> say when I used to put too much on my plate and think mm-hmm. I could eat it. But right. yeah, and, and it really does disrupt, um, you know, organizations that are out there trying to do stuff. If if you if you're not able to to step up and do what you said you're mm-hmm. you're going to do, and uh, a follow through is, is I think probably one of the top five skills of a leader is follow through, if not the top two or three, Um, because, I mean, anybody can say they're going to do something, but to actually do it and do it well Is is something and you know there's another concept that I wanted to discuss with you and I only bring it up because I am reading a book called Failing Forward by John Maxwell. It's an absolutely terrific author. I've enjoyed reading this book tremendously. I've read about 50 pages in two days. I just really, I really Mm -hmm. like this book. Uh, It's a really easy read, and um, it's about failure being perceived as good. It's about if you're not out there failing, then you're not out there doing anything.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, And it's it's about if the people that let failure get them down, and there's a lot of people that do that, mm-hmm. um, and they don't want to get back up, or they think there's something wrong with them. When what they don't understand is failure happens to everybody. I've certainly tried things and, and <laughs> failed, <laughs> fell flat on my face, you know. I and I don't, you know what? And I'm glad I did because it either pushed me to try harder in that area, or made me realize that that wasn't the area for me. Absolutely. So. What do you think about failure? You, I mean, you obviously, being as successful as you are, haven't you know let it down. But you know, I'd have to think that you've experienced times where you haven't been quite as successful as you thought. And how have you overcome that?
1: Absolutely, and it, it really is all about perspective. You know, it, and you know, I'm I'm operating in hospitality, and the I like to call it we have a low success rate as opposed to having a high failure rate. It's, mm. it's really about how you count your successes. It's about how you perceive your successes. And all failure is is just, you know, success the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. You know, like you said, you we haven't necessarily been failures. We just haven't been as successful as we planned. And it's about taking the lesson from those particular situations, those experiences, those relationships, and what do we learn about ourselves? What do we learn about the world of, around us? What do we learn about our competitors? What do we learn about our business model? What do we learn about our brand, and how do we make it stronger? And that's that's all, you know, failure learned the hard way, or success, rather, learned the hard way. I think that's all it is, and like you said, you you can't let it you can't internalize it because mm-hmm. if if you do, then that's what you become. And, you know, we've talked about the success principles and the law of attraction and the secret. We know that thoughts are energy, and we know that we create our own environments. So if, if we feel like we're failures, then ultimately that's what we become.
0: Yeah, the one thing that I've gotten from the book is that there's a big difference between seeing events as failures and seeing yourself as a failure. Uh, there's a mindset there, and I actually wrote down this quote from the book. It says, "When achievers fail, they see it as a momentary event and not a lifelong epidemic."
1: Mm-hmm. And that's, that's huge.
0: Yeah, it's not a you know a lifelong epidemic. It's not something you're possessed with. You're not a failure. I mean, there. Oh gosh, I I read some of the most amazing stories of people like Thomas Edison. He only had one. Um, one of his inventions patented through his whole life, and everything else was considered a failure. And afterwards, they went through his materials and realized that hundreds of his designs were, were, were patentable, but um, were also incredibly useful. And uh, Henry, Henry Ford went bankrupt several times. Um, I mean, a lot of this is in this book called um, Success Through a Positive Mental Attitude. Okay. Which is sort of the if you've ever read Think, think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, it's mm-hmm. W Clement Stone's like sort of answer to that. Theory.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Yeah, wow. yeah. It's it's a really it's a really great book. I just finished Success to a, a, a Positive Mental Attitude and moved on to Failing Forward and I, I realized that I know a lot of people who think because they failed they're a failure, but it just means that you put yourself out there. And, you know, if you don't put yourself out there to fail, then you're probably not going to uh, ever achieve anything worthwhile, in my opinion. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Because, I mean, everybody does the easy stuff. Right. (laughs) So one of the things I think is very important to, to leadership, to entrepreneurship, and to about any kind of success out there is education. And I know you have an MBA, and I don't have an MBA. My husband does. But I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what the MBA has done for you and, 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 and what it's done for you in business as well.
1: Well, I have to say that the MBA curriculum at FAMU, and especially in the School of Business and Industry, is, is radical, uh, for lack of a better term. It isn't you know, your normal run-of-the-mill MBA program. It's actually a five-year program on paper five years on paper (laughs) but it has a professional leadership development component that was so significant in everything that I've done since I graduated or I won't even say since I graduated since I had my first internship Um, the PLD curriculum includes uh, courses on business writing on networking on you know resume writing, we, when I tell you, Beth, we were being graded on how well we shook hands <laughs> in our freshman year. Those things have carried me so far. Um, you think I'm a good networker. It's only because I used to get graded on it.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to go back and get my MBA at FAMU. It's just down the road. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, really. It's a phenomenal, it's, it's an absolutely phenomenal program, and it was so far uh, ahead of its time. The curriculum, or the founding dean, um, Dean Sybil Mobley, she founded the curriculum, I want to say in like 19. 19- fifty three or something. To the extent that when I graduated in two thousand three, she had been in her position for half a century.
0: Wow. She had been
1: the founding and only Dean for fifty years. <laughs> but um That's
0: amazing.
1: It is. It is and I have to say that the the caliber of MBA students and business students, you know, that come from the bachelors program, we're such a strong core group that we have corporate relationships with fortune 500 companies all across the country my last internship while I was still working on my degree was with um GlaxoSmithKline in Mm -hmm. pharmaceutical sales and that's how I got started um in pharmaceutical sales but that the MBA curriculum has been it's it's phenomenal and I actually went back to school in 2007 to get a degree in wine spirits and beverage management because I really wanted, um, you know, potential investors and, and strategic partners and eventually customers, I really wanted them to understand that I am so committed to this project that I was willing to take out a fifty thousand dollars student loan, you know, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> to pursue it, um, and I actually was one of the first graduates of the degree program from the Art Institute of Tampa in March of two
0: thousand nine. So. Hmm. Oh, okay. So you're a year out then? Of the... Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Because yeah. I knew you had gone to school down in Tampa, but I didn't. I didn't realize that it was that that soon that you had graduated. That
1: recent. Yeah. Yep. And it was like being a freshman all over again. <laughs> you know, and, it per- right. Right. and it was a two year program?
0: Right. it was a two year program? Yes.
1: Um, oh,
0: okay. That's very intensive.
1: Me, yes. Luckily for me, um, the Art Institute honored, you know, a lot of my credits and, and especially like my English and math. I had taken A P English in high school and mm-hmm. they initially tried to register register me for English and I was like, I hadn't taken English in twelve years. I don't right. think I'm gonna take it now.
0: <laughs> right. Right. No. Yeah. I I know, I can't imagine having to retake all that all that stuff. <laughs> especially especially math. I mean I could deal with the English but not the math. I know. I know,
1: and what's funny is that you know the principles don't change but I wasn't good at math to begin with
0: so i was i was fairly good at math and i forgotten it all i mean uh, i i had considered going and um going to grad school and getting a, mm-hmm. a, a phd and i looked at the gre and i was like i just can't do this i'm like i want it's <laughs> like my law degree is it <laughs> Oh, man.
1: (laughs) Well, I do have plans to return back to school in about 12 years. This is in my 15 year plan to get a degree, a PhD, rather, in hospitality education. So hopefully by then they will have done away with the GRE.
0: Oh, I hope so for your sake. (laughs) I certainly do. I, I certainly do because I, I looked at it and, you know, the English is easy. It's, I mean, you know, yeah. I can tell you, you know, you're well-spoken. You you know the big words. You know those, what, <laughs> what are they, I forget what they call them. They call them, you know, those SAT words or those college words. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all about the, you know, the relationships between words. And that stuff's, you know, fairly easy if you know words. But, boy, when you, when you were out of the math, before, I took... Oh. I took AP Calculus, and then, and then in college I took calculus, the second part of it or something. And I remember, you know, being, it was okay then because I knew it. But that was in, that was about like 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was about 18 years old, so one of those use it or lose it things. Definitely, and yeah, I'm here to say you don't. I never really used it. I'm not an engineer, so. <laughs> types of people that you like to surround yourself with just to just to make yourself motivated or I know I always heard this is what I like I've heard them called people called energy vampires those are those are people that are so down on what you're doing or you know you don't really want to share you know I've always heard be careful who you share your dreams with Mm -hmm. you don't they're also called dream stealers and a lot of times you know you know 'cause you have a lot of, of, of big plans, and they might you know be down on them or say, "Why would you want to do that?" and a lot of times I think it's because they're too scared to do it themselves and so absolutely
1: absolutely um you know to your question, definitely positive people um I recently took the myers Briggs type indicator, right. And, um, E-N-T-J, I think it is. <laughs> I think it is, too. <laughs> oh, look at
0: that. <there. laughs> I I've taken it, too, and, and, and uh, my husband's taking it, too. And I think he, instead of the judgment of the J, he's the other one. But Oh, we're per-
1: uh, perceiving.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Yeah, cool. You know, the E is for extroversion, and it, it basically says, at least this is how I understand it, is that I kind of draw my energy from the people around me. So I love and I'm always the one that's making everything into a group effort. <laughs> It'll start out with just me and my sister going to the movies. And next thing you know, I've sent the text message to 12 other people. <laughs> like, hey, you want to join us? <laughs> so I definitely love surrounding myself with with positive people. And, I love being around students. I love talking to students who just kind of walk by the office because I actually work in the School of Business um, at DMU in a consultative capacity, and you know I have a couple students that work with me at Seventy One Proof, and I just love letting them learn from from me, mainly from the mistakes that I've made because you know. I, I clearly didn't learn anything from them if I made them over and over, but I love um, being around people who like to learn, and that's why I enjoy, you know, when you and I get together because there's always so much to exchange. Um, so, in that nutshell. <laughs>
0: well, that's a, that's a really that's a really good one. I think who you surround yourself with is is probably determinable of your success and mm-hmm. in a way because if you constantly surround yourself with people who. Um, you know, who aren't quite as positive, it might make you doubt yourself when you shouldn't. there's always, I think there's always people out there that kind of check you and kind of say, are you sure about this and that? And I think that's great. But, well, the last question I have for you is you're involved in a plethora of activities, whether it's (laughs) serving on an advisory board or your involvement with the Chamber of Commerce. And I want to know how you prioritize it all and how you decide what gets your attention and when.
1: That is an interesting question um again, going back to our curriculum at um in the m b a program our freshman year, we had this project called the Nothing Book, where basically we had a we had to buy a journal you know that was blank it had nothing in it, and we had to track our time management you know we had to see what we were doing with our time and make a journal entry of it on a daily basis for the entire semester. And you really got to finding out, you know, where you're spending your time and what you're getting the most out of. And from that, um, I've really been conscious of what am I doing at what time, how long do I expect to be there, and what, what will I get out of it? Uh, A lot of it, especially when I'm scheduling meetings and everything like that, the first question I ask is what's on the agenda? Because that gives me an opportunity to prepare properly for the meeting and also just kind of filter out, well, is it something that we could talk about by phone? Can we just email back and forth as opposed to actually having a face-to-face meeting, which means it's going to take me 15 minutes to get there, 30 minutes to meet, and 15 minutes to get back. Sure,
0: I can certainly understand that one. (laughs) I know you can. (laughs) Um,
1: Another element that I like to take into consideration, I attended a workshop that was hosted by Jerry Oster Young, uh, I think the former executive director of the James Moran Institute Mm -hmm. here at Florida State, and Dr. Jer- Dr. Oster Young, he talked a little bit about, you know, to-do lists. You know, the thing about to-do lists is that it gives you the impression that everything has the same priority, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talked about, you know, making a, a quadrant of where you're spending your time. You want to categorize things as being important and urgent, you know, so those are your number one things to tackle. Uh, Then you want to look at things that are important but not so urgent. You know, you have a couple days or so to get it done, but it's definitely high up on the list. Then coming down, you have your urgent but not important things. Um, So you really, you know, there's a fine balance between quadrants two and three. And then in the fourth quadrant, you have not important and not urgent. Those are things that you could possibly delegate or really just get a, a better understanding, like what are the deliverables here? So that's that's kind of what I like to keep in mind when I'm talking about leadership, Tallahassee, and NYP, and family, and 71 Proof, and, con, you know, those types of things.
0: Sure, sure. <laughs> I, I live and dive on my to-do list, but I try to make little numbers beside it like, mm-hmm. a, a one means get it done today. Absolutely. And I do a one. And that just is something that works for me. I've I've read books about doing the quadrants and mm-hmm. doing other things. But I just, I have a notebook. I usually go to a store and buy, like, kind of one of those fancy journals, but not an expensive mm-hmm. one. Just one of those mm-hmm. cute ones that you can get at, like, um, like, at Target or something. Right. And then I just put, like, in the margins a one or a two or three or four, usually. That's a good idea. And that's, I I like to have everything I have to do listed in one place because what happens is when I look at everything, I can say, hey, this may not be important, but I have Mm -hmm. five minutes to shoot off this email.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: And that, that's kind of how, that's how I function, just, you know, and, you know, that that's just, that's just something that works for me. And I I'm, I just will not let go of my to-do list. <laughs> I, I, I do. I live and die my life to-do list.
1: And, you know, I think that we, since we have the Myers-Briggs type in common, we probably are both type A, which means I love to see lines through to-do lists. Like, i yes. like, crossing through things. <laughs> so.
0: I like, I put a little check. <laughs> And that's like, yay! Yeah, yeah. I, I totally. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm definitely type A driven, and I like. I, I, like, I think I'm very similar to you and liking to see progress and things done. Um, absolutely, absolutely. And I hate, and I hate knowing I have something to do and I'm not yeah. doing it. That's, mm-hmm. It just, it just bothers it, it
1: eats me. Eats at you, exactly.
0: <laughs> well, um, we've actually been on the air for about 35 minutes, so oh, I'm wow. going to. Be- yeah, I know it goes by really quickly, doesn't it? I was just How wondering. Was up there. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I'm sorry if you wanted to add anything else at the end and uh and then I will uh, wrap things up.
1: No, you know, I really again just want to say thanks for extending the invitation to me. It's an honor to be your first guest. Um so, you know, you, you always want to be the first to make a presentation so that way there's no there's no expectation. <laughs> Actually,
0: no, I always like to be first so I can set the bar. So oh,
1: and and that's a different way to look at it. Yeah,
0: so you set the bar today.
1: Oh, thank you, Beth.
0: No, I, I truly appreciate your taking the time to be here. I know how busy you are, and for you to come on the show and share this with with anybody out there who's interested, I know there're going to be people that take a lot from your suggestions and um uh, and i I truly truly appreciate your coming on the show and sharing your success secrets with us and uh, would you want to give our listeners your website, if, you're, if you'd are if you like to do that?
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, the website address is 71proofllc.com, and that's the number seven, the number one. Or you can find me on Facebook, Latanya White, or on Twitter, at Concept conglom, like Conglomerate. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: because I don't even know if I've been to your Twitter site, and I'll have to make sure you're on my Facebook yeah,
1: uh, I'll I'm I'm I got it open now, so I'll, I'll take care of that. You you go ahead and finish up your day. <laughs> oh,
0: okay, great, great, great. Well, again, thank you, Latonia White, for graciously being my first guest today. And on behalf of the Success Design, this is Beth Schenkel Anderson signing off. Great. Have a
1: great day, Beth.
0: You too, Latonia. Thanks. Bye. Bye.